You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, here we are again. It's the pod. Jim Day Podcast. I'm that guy. Look who we got here today. Come on, bring in the pipes. Bring them in. Bring, give, give them to me. Give me the pipes. Oh, he's going to make the audience. Wait, hold on. Music interlude. Oh, big build up. Me? Come on. Bring in the pipes. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Yes, there we go. It's John Sadak. Voice, television voice of your Cincinnati Reds. Happy birthday, by the way, to Cam Miller, the outstanding oh, yeah. author, performer of your yeah. title track. Yeah, we got to uh, give him some love. Yeah, we got the musical, the uh, instrumental version this year. Did all the uh, ones of vocals last year. Yeah, shout out Cam Miller. Awesome. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good. What I wanted to do today is we're uh, over a month into the season, and obviously it's a, a new deal here with the new rules. And uh, I just want to know from someone that has to call nearly every pitch, every game, how you think it has gone. I think it's awesome. I think it was overdue. I think it's a great, great way to engage the game. I think it's replicating what the game was only a few decades ago. Mm-hmm. I think if you watch, you watch World Series games in the 80s and time it, in between pitches and the highest leverage moments of the games that mean the most, it looked like it does right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And even at a cost of it has affected uh, some people's jobs. I'm not going to mention any names. Okay, me, uh, it has made it tougher uh, to do certain things, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because it's all about the fans. And I know there are still some fans out there that uh, don't like the pitch clock, or should I call it pitch timer? That's what the MLB calls it officially. Pitch clock. Um, some still don't like it. They're old school. Um, but for the most part, it's been well-received, don't you think? I would agree. I think the initial hesitation, because part of the innate beauty of baseball is that it's an untimed game. Yeah. And it truly still is. It you, is. You still got to get 27 outs. Right. So there's no guarantee how yeah. long that will take. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I understand the reservation of there's a, a timing element that's now being infused, it had to be. Yes, there's great nobility in the idea of, well, they should just play faster. Yeah, but they weren't. <laughs> if you could get them to do that, yeah, exactly. I mean, if if little Timmy would just do his homework, it would be great. <laughs> Getting Timmy to do that homework is a different story. Yeah, so, and, and, and I also think that part of it, you know, uh, not only for the enjoyability and marketability of the game right now, but for its future, you know, something that we've heard forever that I, I think is to some extent overblown is the the generational support and concern about the subsequent generations. And there is um, a, a, a need to preside over, to preserve a, a longer-term integrity and survivability of the game with those that guide it. Um, 
there is legitimacy to those of a younger generation today have far shorter attention spans and are not as willing to sit at a leisurely event that an older generation enjoys that element of it. I, I totally agree with you. But the idea that, well, the young kids should just change the way they consume media, that's not happening. No. And they are they'll the just, fans of tomorrow. Yeah, they'll just go do something else or watch something else or be entertained by something else. Hey, I'll put it in my generation. I, I you know, we're different because we have to watch every pitch and we're at work. So it's a little different than the fan. But man, it was it was dragged. Some of those games were dragging so much, and there were certain pitchers that was like just throw the ball, relievers. You've got two pitches. Flip a coin, pick one. Um, I'll put it in my generation too. I, I my attention span is very short, so I can't imagine sitting at home. And people, you know, are so busy. There's so much going on. To invest four hours is tough on a nightly basis. It's tough. Two, two and a half, that's uh, a different story. And even if it goes longer, I'm okay with a game today. We've already had a few that went three plus or somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Stuff's happening. Absolutely. It's not just this dormant state of nothingness. Yeah. And look at the other sports. They have all significantly changed in the last few decades. NFL, NBA, NHL today, compared to what it was in the 70s and 80s, yeah. is almost unrecognizable baseball instead is actually making it look more like it did 40 years ago when baseball was a bigger national player in terms of overall national consciousness. It's become more of a regional sport. I also think that angle is somewhat overblown and inaccurate. I think it's thriving in select markets really well. Uh, but there is a, a concern to make sure you're marketing it right because as much as we want pro sports to be, and they are, a giant piece of the fabric of our community and a tether of generations and there's there's poetic beauty in that and that's real they're also pro sports it's entertainment the number one thing that pro sports are there for is to generate interest and money and competition of the highest skill set within your respective field professionally to make money to generate interest yeah there's no doubt about it. You preached to the choir. Before they implemented these rules, I mean, I broke it down very simply, and I, I'm not the only one that broke it down this way, but there were less balls in play, and it was taking them longer between pitches. So mm -hmm. it was taking them longer to do less, which was <laughs> the game was it was slowly dying in, in my eyes. And this is a revitalization of the game. We're seeing more crisp play. Uh, I think there are. There's more balls in play. I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but I think there's it's, and I think that's only going to go up. And um, games are shorter. There's more stolen bases. That average has gone up. There seems to be more run. At least the Reds are a station to station team. Seems to be more first to third in the game. So I love it. I I applaud it. W what do you think about the uh, shift restrictions as well? Um, well, I think we've already seen that teams are still, if you don't want to call it a shift, they're heavily tilting or shading their infields very similarly to the way they were. Yeah. Um, the, the the impact on averages has been far less than those that I respect had suggested would occur. Yeah. It's been fairly minimal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I think it has afforded is, and the, the timer does this to some extent too, because it makes every game a Wade Miley game. It has the fielders more engaged, 
we are able to showcase and celebrate the dynamic athleticism of today's player way better. And I think the shift restrictions are a part of that. Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you're, you're seeing the short, whether it's a right-handed or left-handed batter, you're seeing the shortstop or the second baseman hugging second base as close as they can. And they're, you know, moving towards the pull side, which is fine. But it's still not three guys over there mm-hmm. or a guy in short right field, which was just a, a game changer. So now uh, teams, I think the teams going forward, it's going to be like old school where you're going to have to have athletic defenders. You're going to have to have guys that can run. I mean, we're already seeing like the Rays are a team that defensively is outstanding. The Pirates are a young and, and hungry team. Um, so I think it's going to shift back to athletes athletes on the field and defense is going to be uh, vital like it was in the past yeah and I think specifically being built with that spine idea up the middle yeah you know catcher short center field second base is becoming more of a defensive position again where it should be you know if in the shift era especially with the volume of power lefties and the the overplay you could kind of put anybody there to some extent well like Moustakas I mean, I'm not throwing him under the bus. I like Mike. But, yeah, it was uh, it was different. I don't think you can do that now. I, I really don't think you can do that. Um, at the same time, let's see, what are the rules we got? Uh, well, the bigger bases that, I mean, I guess you could break down the more stolen bases att- attempts. And it's still been the, the same type of bang-bang plays. I don't know if I've seen a major difference there. Have you? No. I mean, the, the stolen base numbers are up. I mean, Cleveland's yeah. probably the poster child for yeah. it. I think that's more about the disengagement rule and the timer than it is about the bases. Um, I'm sure that's part of it. T- to me, the bases were always way more about a player safety thing Absolutely. than anything else. And Absolutely. I think that's smart. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I think the players have adapted most players, even the ones that were kicking and screaming for this or against it, seem to have adapted. And now the players are, are very much into it. And I, can, I guess I can only speak for the Reds players. I've only sp- spoken to a few of the opposing teams. But I think the guys have bought in. They've bought into, particularly, I, I talked to Kurt Casale, who is, you know, after a game, after catching, you're just, you got ice on the knees. And you're, he's like, some games I feel like I didn't even catch. And that's huge. And what do they do? They timed it out. They said that they'll be on their feet a week less over a full season, something like that. I mean, it's crazy. That adds up. That's uh, that's a big deal. I think the, I think overall the the feel and the vibe of all these changes has been overwhelmingly positive. I, I would say the. The players where nationally we've seen the biggest issue, whether by their own vocal dissension or just by looking at results, it seems to be older starting pitchers, which yeah, it's going to happen. So, some people are not going to adapt great to it. That's, that's just the way it is. Uh, but I, I think going forward, because this is being implemented in the minors and already had been but not as strictly enforced, there was some portion of it for several years within a very short span of time, the overwhelming majority and eventually the entirety of Major League Baseball will have played with this their entire professional lives. For many of them, it'll wind up being their entire collegiate and minor league into Major League professional lives. And I I think already, honestly, you know, we're talking about it here because it is the first year it's being implemented and it's fair to, to 
throw it up onto the board and and spotlight what is good, what is bad, what could be different. And I, I don't think it's a finished thing. I, I could see them making alterations, not during this season, but for postseason or for future seasons. I could see that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't really notice it. I'm already at a point where in most games, I'm not looking at the timer. I only look when the umpire points at the pitcher or the hitter and says there's a violation. Yeah, no, I get it. It has affected broadcasts and broadcasters, and we'll get into that here in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, John, this has affected the broadcast, though. You're a guy that likes to tell stories. Has it been tougher? How much of an, an adjustment has it been for you as a play-by-play guy? Because, I mean, there's some of these, especially some of these pitchers, they're rapid firing. And it TV is a little different. I did radio play-by-play, and it's I'll talk about that. It's much harder over there with the pitch clock. How has it affected your job? Uh, not terribly. I, I think it... It does affect radio way, way more. And yeah. I have many friends that are on radio even beyond the Reds with, with other teams. And I started polling them early in spring training because we hadn't yet even done a game yet. And they were telling me, John, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, just let the game breathe more. Uh, to, to me, I, I think it's a good thing because a lot of the stories we have told, um, yes, they can have merit, they can have entertainment value, but there were many that were really pure filler. There was nothing else going on, so (laughs) you have to fill the time. And and so there were times where you're reaching, you're telling a story that's not quite as compelling or it doesn't fit and vibe as well with that game moment. We are putting the spotlight on the game. This is putting more of the attention where it always should have been. Before my first ever Major League Baseball broadcast, I spoke to a Major League announcer who was – offered me advice mentor would be an overstretch but helped me a lot when I was in the minors gave me tape feedback would give me time we had many meals together at different events over the years and I asked him in advance of my first major league game what's your advice I've never done a major league game I haven't done baseball and at that point about two years I was a little nervous and I'm looking for the go get them rah rah it's gonna be great (laughs) and he says John the game stinks (laughs) nothing happens have a ton of stories, have a ton of numbers, be ready to fill. That's and not far from the truth. He was being honest. He yes. was he was actually well, trying to prepare me I don't know about the it. game stinks, but it's, you know, there's a lot of times nothing happening. And uh, so the that kind of, uh, it, it, it really disappointed me, honestly. 
<laughs> and it unnerved me to some extent. Um, but now I can see what he meant. I didn't feel that at the time. I'm just so excited to be calling a major league game that uh, th there is no downtime to me. Everything is going a million miles an hour in my head. Uh, but I, I don't feel that it's affected me negatively. I, I think uh, I, I, I have to cut certain stories short or I just don't start them. There's more research that I don't use, but there was always research I didn't use. Yeah. And I will gladly put any of that to the side because the game dictates. And to me, as, as a broadcaster, that's the thing that we always make sure we have feel for, or at least attempt to. The game tells us, the game tells the producer and director in TV as well, where the attention should be, what the story should be. Listen to the game. The game tells everyone what to do. Yeah. Well, it has affected those sideline nerds, those nerds down there trying to get sidebar stories in. It, it has affected them. Well, I, I think, though, on TV, it's pretty easy to tell a story over and at bat. And if yeah. something crazy happens, then you just stop telling the story, allow the which reaction happens, to the moment, which you have really— Happens to me a lot. <laughs> your timing is crazy. <laughs> Every time you do a hit, something's about to happen. <laughs> It could be the most mundane game. Oh, this is a good spot right here. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing catch. <laughs> Diving yeah. stop. I think Red's position players should probably like, put their names in a hat. Who has the right to be at the exactly. plate when Jim Day tells a story? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, it's you know, it, it has affected the, uh, the amount of times you can get into a game doing that. Uh, certainly the time you got to be much quicker. You can't ramble on anymore, which a lot of us like to do. So it has affected, um, that portion of the broadcast, but again, and this is someone that's being affected directly. I would not change it for the world. The game is the most important thing. The fans are the most important thing. And I think we're watching a much better brand of baseball. The, the other element that it has affected. And I noticed this watching, we're recording this on the, the Saturday of the White Sox weekend. Mm -hmm. So I watched the Apple plus feed last night. There were multiple times where their show went to these really beautiful because their, their cameras were highly capable, got some great shots amazing replay looks one was of the the Friedel uh, catch at the wall using yeah. the high home angle which is right. perched a bird's eye view rear of the plate it, it's a tremendous shot they tried to run the whole thing from the pitch all the way to the catch in between pitches you cannot do, do that it. anymore yeah and uh I, I don't think that's a bad thing but I do th see there are still some shows that are having trouble adjusting to that. Yeah. And the one that I don't know, and the, the question I would have is, what are we going to see in the playoffs? Because they bring in all this extra equipment. They block out that. They want the meaty three-and-a-half-hour window to oh, fill yeah. their, their big well, slot. And, and Fox is big on those tight face shots of getting the drama of the face and the dugout and lots of cutaways, fans, dugout, face, fan, you know, just – in sequence, and so that is going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Because in, in my experience, Jim, and, and I'm sure you've had the same, and I, I would think most listening to this would share this observation, doesn't necessarily mean it's right, doesn't mean I agree with it, but anytime something happens in our world that raises an eyebrow, that tilts your head, that you wonder, well, why? Well, why do they change here? Why did this happen? The answer is almost always money. Moolah. And there's a lot of money in playoff TV. So if I were guessing, 
I would guess if we're going to see any augmentation of things to allow for a little more breadth of space, that's when we could see it. And the fair criticism would be, you just played an entire season with something, and now you're going to tweak it? I hope they don't. I hope they don't, too. But... Money changes a lot of things. That, but once you go to there, then there'll be that'll be the compromise, and then no, I think it's beautiful right right now as it is. I agree, and you know that, like you said, the TV crews are going to have to adjust, particularly replay uh, people. That you know, the producer or director is going to rely on that person queuing it up at the right point and i've seen several times where we wanted to get a certain spot of a reaction maybe it's a pitcher coming off the mound and you wanted to get some emotion but you kind of took it back too far and you didn't queue it up in the right spot so by the time the next pitch is being thrown you didn't get to the point you wanted to get so it's all a big adjustment now i mentioned radio i did uh a weekend of play-by-play on the reds radio network i'm for you listeners, I'm sorry. I was just filling in. Um, <laughs> I'm just a fill-in. We love you, Jim. I'm just a fill-in. Just please lower your angst, please. Um, but anyway, it really it was a noticeable difference over there because you are just doing nuts and bolts. Obviously, they can't see, so you've got to describe what's going on, the, the nuts and bolts of the action. And that's really all the time you have. You just, You try to start a story. And it's inevitably interrupted, and it's really tough over there uh, on the radio side. Yeah, as I do a lot of radio in the baseball offseason mm-hmm. for basketball and football. Um, select NFL games, the Army-Navy game, the NCAA tournament, and, uh, and I'll frequently be asked by people, often on planes, who see me preparing, watching video, creating a chart. They at first assume I'm a coach or a scout, and I tell them what I do. And they ask, like, well, what's the prep like? And there is still a lot of prep, don't get me wrong. But I tell them, you know, when I'm doing those games on radio, particularly the the NCAA tournament, NFL playoff games, I don't have time for a lot of flowery. I have a quick nugget I can give right before the play or after the play. But it's, you know, down in distance, time and score, formation, play, analyst repeat and in between you're doing all these live reads there's there's no time the contrast though for you with baseball and for all especially team announcers is that's part of the serenity of baseball on the yeah. radio is having that bit of breadth of, of of time i would counter though at the same time if you listen to the old radio broadcasts 50s 60s 70s 80s that's what it was yeah yeah, no doubt about it. It was and quick. It was pretty good. <laughs> Here we are at Crossley Field, a team from Cincinnati. You know those guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy the game. Uh, I think it's uh, it needed a reboot in the worst way, and I think that this is uh, it's going to be the legacy of this commissioner who has been much maligned and – Years removed, decades removed, they're going to look back and say, this guy completely changed the game. It's going to be his legacy, is it not? I would totally agree. I, I think uh, of the changes that have been made to the sport within the time that I have actively followed it from fandom through working in it, um, I think this will have the potential to have the most positive, longest-lasting effect. Um now, the, the next move that it sounds like could be up, and probably not next year, 
The commissioner himself, I believe, at one point stated 2025. Oh, no, you're gonna. I know you're gonna say, "Go on." I'm sorry. I'm cringing. Robo umps. Ah! Robo umps. <sighs> See, I'm all for change. I'm all for change. I don't know about these robo umps, John. One. I know that they need to get the technology right because there's been some disasters, right? There's mm-hmm. been some games where it's like ball pitched at his ankles called a strike. Yes. At his head, at his neck called a strike. And this is what we're hearing secondhand. I haven't yeah, witnessed it, right. but talking to players who have played with yeah. it, they say it's very flawed. But we got it. You don't want to take out the human element totally, do you? I mean, I don't want to get it's so nice to get mad at the umpire. <laughs> who are we going to get mad at? A computer? So, that doggone computer. You know what would be uh, a decent idea? So the way this system is working in AAA, they play six games a week, same team against same team. Three of those games, it's human umpire the entire way. The other three, it's the automated system with select number of challenges per team. What if instead we had the human umpire the entire game, but you have the challenges based on the robo system? Yeah, as long as we can get that little, like in tennis, we can get that replay where it's like really dramatic and you can see the ball just in or just on the line. I would dig that. And that would. I like that idea, actually. It would also. challenge a a human strike, is what you're saying, or a human ball. Now, the strike zone is an imaginary box, you know. So maybe you couldn't do it on high low. Maybe you could only do it on on the plate or not. Well, people live by the box we have on the, the broadcast, which is not 100% accurate. Let's be real about but, it. But, I mean, no matter what is it really, it's still imaginary. So, like, <laughs> let's make yeah. it accurate. Let's just say that's the zone, period. So, adjust to it. I, I think we've already seen there are certain players, pitchers, and hitters, and I would have also assume certain umpires that already, to some extent or some version of it, th- how do you evaluate yourself? The, the, I'm just imagining what it is. I mean, you're still looking at the hitter. It's still a strike or it's not. It's yeah. uh, So th- that is something about the the whole idea of sports rules. You know, there was no three-point shot forever. Yeah, There was no forward pass in football at one time. Like, things change, and that's right. okay. Moses didn't come down with tablets saying, these are the permanent rules forever and will never change. <laughs> it's a human game that was made up by people. Did um, you just go Moses on this? <laughs> you did. So I, I, I'm open to the idea, but I am with your reservations. Like it, That's why I'm great with the idea of test this stuff out in the minors. Well, get it right. Because you look back at the even the umpires that struggle, they still are above 90%. Most of them are 92 93% accuracy, right? But if based I'm, on what? Based on a box. <laughs> well, they're still accurate based on... Well, so there is a box. You know, we're talking about the letters to the hollow of the knees. But that's not what those scores are. Those scores are at some guy who's like, I am the expert in the imaginary box. It's based on a box. <laughs> the wizard of the box. <laughs> but still, I, I just I don't want to take the, that human element out of it. I mean, they've already taken out managers arguing with umpires with this replay thing most of the time, and it's... I miss that. I miss uh, managers getting tossed and arguments. We've taken a lot of those out of the game. So I don't want to completely take the human element out of it. I don't know. I agree. And that's why I I wonder if, and I'm open to all ideas. I I don't know anything. I'm not that driving creative force. But the one that would spring to mind for me is allow the human zone to be there, 
but then have the RoboZone be a challenge. And instead of three per game, which I think is kind of absurd for a lot of, of reasons of strategy, allow each hitter to have one per game. And if you're right, you get to do it again. We're doing do-overs? No, like, like you, oh, you, you can get challenge your, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have, you scared me there. Oh, do no, 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 no. Like, in the, you know, the playground. Do-over! <laughs> Do no. we can't we can't decide if the ghost runner would have scored from second base on that. So do over. Uh, okay, I, I could maybe be open to that, but I man, I'm gonna have to see it perfected in the minor leagues. I'm gonna have to see the technology. Well, it's never so, gonna be perfected. That's gonna be. I mean, the the zone right now is obviously imperfect. I don't know this is, this artificial intelligence thing that's coming along scares me. So I'm uh, I'm scared about a lot of things. But I was all for these rule changes. I was all for the change. Uh, each and every one of them. But this one, I don't know. I'm going to have to be proven uh, that it's worthy. We'll see. Well, we are going to talk about uh, the current Cincinnati Reds and always have to talk pop culture. He gets paid to broadcast. Always want to talk pop culture with John. We'll do that after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, this version of the Cincinnati Reds. First of all, so far, again, we're recording this on Saturday. What is this, May 6th? Um, as we speak, Reds are much more competitive this year at this point. Hard to not be after a what three and twenty two start last year. Um, what are your feelings on this current version? There's one thing that can be said about this team. Now, talent in the end is always going to win. The most talented team over 162 62 games always going to win. But the effort level from this team and the never give up and the grit from this team have you been impressed with that? Very much, and that to me is the identity of this team right yeah. now is the fight that they have. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Jonathan India is the leader that personifies it, that's at the heart of most of those big moments that this team has achieved to this point, uh, that I think gives a measured perspective after high and low moments that this team has had during the year. Um, and, the, and the three young pitchers, you know, the, the core of this starting rotation. That, that's what I think of when I think of this team. You know, they've played at this point now 14 one-run games. They've lost nine, which matches the most in the majors right now. And for perspective, they've won 13 games. They are on pace to lose 95. Last year's team had won eight games, 32 into the season. Yeah. And, uh, and I also cannot help but think of readily the names that are rising up in the minor league ranks that I believe at least one, probably two or three of them are going to be Reds before the end of the season. When exactly? 
I don't know. But at some point this year, and so this team, I think of the grind that they show. I think of how mentally tough they are. I think of the effort level that they produce. I think of the high-end potential of the younger stars that are part of the heart of this team. And I think about what's on the horizon. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been able to identify more than a couple of guys at the minor league level. It was been, ah, there's one guy we can sprinkle in and this guy and even their top prospects are like, eh, maybe so-so. But when you go back to, and I've talked about this before, when the team went to the playoffs three out of four years, 2010 to 13, that team was mostly homegrown. And it's been that long since we've been able to identify the Vados coming through the systems, the G- system, the Jay Bruce, the, the Johnny Cueto, uh, the Ryan Hannigans, the, the guys that were on that team, the even the Sam Liqueurs, the uh, Mike Leak, uh, Homer Bailey, the, the, the core of that team. And you could go on and on. You could go clear around the infield, the Todd Frazier's, the Zach Cozart's. Uh, I mean... Those guys were, and I know I'm leaving some guys out, homegrown talent, which is the way the Reds are going now. So it's exciting to, and listen, it's been a little bleak at AAA for a decade or so, to look at AAA, like every night, even during the game, I'm looking at the box score of all the minor league games, but particularly AAA, where you've got Matt McLean, you've got Encarnacion Strand, you've got Ellie De La Cruz, and now you have Abbott, the pitcher, left-handed pitcher. I think we're going to see all three of the, all four of those guys this year. Do you agree? I would agree. Yes. Maybe sooner than later for someone like probably McLean. I who I would think we're going to see McLean first. I would agree. Um, I would think Abbott second, probably. Encarnacion. What's crazy is De La Cruz might be the last of them to come up here. Who knows? And he's the most ballyhooed of the prospects. So that's exciting. That's a that's a good core right there to go with the core that's already here. It very much is. I mean, we saw them in spring training um, all play very well. Uh, we also have seen so far this year. Now Ellie got off to a poor start, which is part of how you would, you know, handicap and caution how quickly he'll go through. It's really the first time he's had any form of failure yeah. in the minors, and and after 20 at bats, it looks like he's kind of snapped into form mm-hmm. already. Um, but uh, Encarnacion Strand is destroying. He's a beast. Everything. I mean, he's Beast. he's hitting a homer like every six and a half at bats. He's having like Barry Bonds numbers yeah. right now. It's Triple A. I'm not saying yeah. he's Barry Bonds, but his power is amazing. Yeah, and getting to know him in spring training because all those guys were in big league camp, and the makeup. First of all, the makeup of McLean's great. He's just a he's a gamer. He's a ball player. You can simply describe him as a ball player. And then Christian Encarnacion Strand is a a kid that man he's. One, he's a hard worker. He's just a total baseball rat. And I, when I was talking to him about, he had a home run in Vegas mm-hmm. when we were there. I mean, things still traveling. Um, and I talked to him about his power, and he said, "I would much rather hit for average than power." And I did a double take. Like, did you just say average? You said batting average? Yeah, average. Like not OPS, not OPS plus, not all these other. You said average, right? Which is you know. <laughs> unusual and he's like oh yeah i want to hit for average M- much more than power i'm like i love you love this kid and he's got a great two strike approach which we saw in spring training 
which is really exciting. He's not he's a hitter, not just a slugger. And I think he has so much natural pop that having that that philosophy is going to play great. Yeah. Because if he just makes contact, he's going to hit a ton Especially of doubles and homers in this ballpark. Yes. The home runs particularly. Yeah. But. And he 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 does have a an equal sense of there is a, a respect and humility about him, but there's also some swagger and some confidence. And I, I oh, yeah. you need both. Yeah. And I love that. Oh, he's definitely got swag. Uh, he's definitely got confidence and a little bit of a chip, which is good. Um, Ellie has the ultimate confidence. He, he's just a, a down-to-earth kid that, again, another hard worker, working hard on learning English, which uh, is not easy. And to, to those three guys just... I mean, it's just exciting. I yeah, mean, it's uh, and McLean has just been so consistent this year. He had that one blip of eighteen at bats, whatever it was. He started yeah. great. He had you know, five games or something that he he was over one for in that time, and then since then has been ridiculous. The guys hit for two cycles in a hundred and sixty three minor league games. That. That's bonkers. Yeah, it really is. Now, where they're going to mix these guys in at the big league level, if and when it happens, that's a different story. And that will be probably the most interesting part of it, about how they're going to be mixed in and who is not going to play because they're playing. Although the DH really, really helps in that regard. It does very much. And, uh, and I think if you're looking to benchmark when can you expect them, Something I've asked a number of people in the organization about in the last couple of weeks was, is there an internal dogma for a number of games, at-bats, plate appearances, innings that you want to see prospects achieve at AAA before you consider promotion? Now, my time with the Yankees, the Royals, the Red Sox, uh, either working within their systems or organizations or a number of other teams as well, secondhand through just forging relationships with their coaches or players – it's pretty common that there would be, for, for the higher-end name prospects, a threshold of it might be 100 at-bats, it might be 200 plate appearances, it might be eight starts for a starting pitcher, something to that effect that generally, with exception, everyone's different, um, but generally those are the baselines for minimum threshold before we consider promotion. When I've asked people with the Reds, they say that doesn't exist. Right. That it's more of a feel and an eyeball test. And the numbers are certainly part of it, but they want the eyes of the, the internal coaches, managers, scouts, and just have that feel, that observational idea of now's the time. Yeah, and you're scared to death to rush a player because we've seen that uh, go wrong as well. All right, I, w before we've got to go badger David Bell here in a minute. Uh I'm kidding. Ask him questions. Uh, I got to talk to you about what TV shows you're watching. I got to catch up in the SADAC world because I'm not sure there's anyone that watches more programs than you. Uh, what do we got on the docket? What have we watched? Uh, been into Ted Lasso. Of course. Um, I burned through the first season of Shrinking, which was excellent with Jason Siegel. I got was... that queued up on my – I got several episodes on my computer. I've let, yet to watch them. I uh, what else have I been watching? Ted Lasso is a kind of a it's come back a little bit. It's it's been a good season. It's been excellent. It feels like yeah. the first season. Yeah, it's uh, very heartwarming, very mm -hmm. human and funny. Um, I felt the second season was a little darker in every yeah. regard. Yeah, the uh, I, I uh, burned through the second season of Schmigadoon, which is an awesome show on Apple Plus. Um, it's uh, a 
fictional transport to a world where musicals are real life. And uh, the first season is an homage to the the big musicals of the 40s and 50s, like Meet Me in St. Louis and uh, Brigadoon, you know, the, the namesake of the show, essentially. And then the second season is goes into the 70s, Jesus Christ Superstar and Chicago and yeah. uh, Sweeney Todd. And uh, it, it's a very funny, spectacular performances. Uh, and then I, I watch shows with our daughter. So she's into uh, interactive shows. And uh, we watched one on Netflix called We Will, We Lost Our Human, which is about a dog and a cat uh, and their human disappears, and the whole universe is in trouble. Oh, no. And you make the choices for them as they try to find their human. Really? It was pretty oh, cool. I liked it. All right, without giving away spoilers, what about The Mandalorian? Oh, I, I already, yes. I've that, that That's already been in the rear view for yeah. a couple of weeks at this point. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know there were criticisms for the divergence it had in storyline from time to time. Uh, I welcome it. I, we live in an era where this stuff exists. Like, <laughs> as a kid, you, know, you, you had the, the Star Wars Christmas special, which was terrible. And that was it outside <laughs> of the movies. Yeah. And then finally the novels started to come around. But now we're, we have this entertainment that's at our fingertips that's constantly yeah. getting refreshed. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was very fun. Um, I, I, I'm not a... I haven't watched a lot of the cartoons, a lot of Rebels, uh, the Clone Wars cartoons, so I didn't totally understand all of the context. I knew some of it. Some of it friends filled me in. Some I just kind of learned on my own by researching some backstory. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I didn't want you to spoil it because this said podcaster has not finished the season of Mandalorian mm. yet, which is really a crime. Because normally I just binge the, the earlier ones. I shouldn't say binge because they didn't all come out all at once but uh i waited like last season i waited till they are all out and then watch them so um i'm ready to binge the rest of the season looking forward to it because as you know this is the way this is the way and this is the way to do a good podcast to bring you in we have five minutes to get downstairs to badger the manager I will uh, go get my badgering coat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I think it was good to uh, get an update a little more than a month in to what is a new game in Major League Baseball. And I think it's going to be terrific. And I think the future is bright for baseball and even this organization, John. I'm going to write down all the position player names, put them in a hat, and they're going to pick who you're going to be talking <laughs> over there at bat. <laughs> Let's go down to Jim Day. He's got a heartwarming sort of airs and drive to left. <laughs> Let's go down to Jim Day. Uh, well, John, uh, it, it was a really emotional moment uh, earlier today. There's a diving stop at the up and fire. What a play. Oh, my gosh. Every time. But life of a sideline nerd. We'll live with it. If that's the worst thing that happens, then all good. You know what I mean? All good to be with you, my friend. All right. That is John Sadak and his pipes. He brought him along. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we will see you next time.